You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains the functional meaning of the term Holocaust, deferring to the original Semitic and consonantal Hebrew text, noting both the utility and shortcomings of the Septuagint. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Starting with the book of Leviticus, uh, I'm going to concentrate on uh, the meaning of turns in the original Hebrew. I'm expecting that my hearers would read the book. It's taxing and boring, but that's the price of scripture. And why am I doing this going only through words and not in the what people call the theology of the book of Leviticus? I established, and I stand by that, and hopefully one day I'll write a book about this topic, that scripture is setting us up. It takes its time to embellish the temple of the Lord the way the other temples are done and built and so on, and people get excited and they try to prove how historically the temple of Solomon was really much more impressive and much more beautiful than the temples of Egypt and Mesopotamia and Greece, which is ridiculous. How can you say that? But it does so to prepare you, to excite you, to build you up, expecting that this would be realized. And then everything falters in the following section of the Bible, the Nebi'im. Everything is brought to naught. And if you're not convinced, just go and have someone read for you chapter 1 and chapter 66 of the book of Isaiah. In the first chapter, God dismantles sacrifices. And then in chapter 66, he dismantles the temple. He doesn't need all that. But you need to be set up yourself so that you can feel the punch in your face. But we don't listen to that. We always point out to our churches and our buildings And the Orthodox irritate me when they refer to their services that are more impressive and more beautiful than the services of the other churches. And that's that's how we are. That's how we are. In other words, we glorify our handiwork. And to wrap up, remember that all these people that listened to these directions regarding the temple, died and thus disappeared before entering the land. So they are gone. Nothing happens for them. And that's the big joke of the biblical story. And this is confirmed in the book of Joshua. 
who had to circumcise the new generation that was born in the wilderness. And then he has the law read to them, as we shall hear when we reach the book of Joshua, but you can read it yourself, you know that. So, let's drop this theologizing of scripture and just go as a point of information so that later when you encounter these words in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, you understand their meaning and their function and then you will understand better what the prophet in the Old Testament and the apostle in the New Testament is trying to tell you through these words and not to read them in English and then imagine that you got the message. What's a Holocaust in English? It doesn't mean anything. Okay, you have to at least know Greek, but then better also Hebrew. This being said, let me begin with Leviticus 1, where we have the dealings or the instructions concerning the holocausts. Okay, here we hear in verse 2, chapter 1, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any man of you brings an offering, now offering in Hebrew, it's very interesting. For those who know Hebrew, it's obvious. Okay, you have actually a repetition of the root brings an offering, you see how in English you have two roots completely different, whereas in Hebrew you have yakrib, so you have the same root, kof, resh, bet, qrub. And when you hear it in Semitic languages, you don't need the podcast of Father Paul. It's right there. It's a root that means near, and thus you bring near, and thus you offer. And again, the noun is korban. You know, you have the root of three letters with the addition of noon, which is classic to nominalize a verb in scriptural Hebrew. So again, it's interesting. So I'm going to be technical. I hope you will take notes and learn these things. So anyone who would like to hikrib korban. And notice that not only the English, but also the Septuagint, which is the closest in many ways to the original. We have two roots. Prosagagi. Zora. The first is the verb that means to bring near. And Zora is the plural of gift offering. And this is how you start perceiving. Take, for instance, a Greek Orthodox priest. He's going to preach from the Septuagint. And he's going to use two roots. And you check your English. You hear two roots and you think that you got the message. But you lose the play, the interconnection on the original.
And then the text says, if his offering is a burnt offering, that is the English translation of the Hebrew Ola. And the Greek Olokaftoma. Let me begin with the Greek because it's interesting and it explains to you in the best way the meaning of the original Hebrew, although it does not reflect the entire connotation. It means to burn from the verb keo, kavu, and then holo, the fullness, the completeness. Okay? And this is what you have. In other words, something that is burned completely. And that word entered into our language as holocaust. But the Hebrew is much more interesting because it means something that goes up from the verb Allah to go up. And thus, immediately the connotation is that what goes up completely cannot be except the smoke. But the Hebrew is interesting because it means that your offering goes up and you can't control it anymore. It disappears. But it disappears as it is going up toward God, which is fantastic. Later you will hear this picture in conjunction with the incense, which again is a smoke that goes up. And that, according to me, is very powerful. You don't need all these stupid retreats about the spirituality of how your offering goes up. You cannot see it go up. Do you see the bread and the wine going up? You can't see them. So you start scripturalizing and getting the people excited about their action of offering. Whereas in the Greek, but more so in the Hebrew, the connotation is uh, right there. And it ends up, I'm going to read you the last verse of the chapter, where it goes up into a pleasing odor to the Lord. You see, the trouble with our theology, especially the Orthodox theology, that it so-called spiritualizes the whole thing. This is what I call a mental erection. It doesn't reflect the original. The original, you can feel it, you can see it. It is so because it is so. It's not because you say or you feel that it is so. The Ola is the Ola. Okay, let me read the last three verses and I shall move to the following. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and ring off, ring with a W, ring off its head 
and burn it on the altar, and its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. Okay? The reality of the offering, which is an animal, disappears. You drain the blood which carries life in scripture. And he shall take away its crop with the feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side in the place for ashes. Then he shall tear it by its wings, but shall not divide it asunder. That's the interesting thing about the Holocaust. You take it as such and you burn it totally so that it would go up. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, upon the wood that is on the fire. It's a burnt offering, an offering by fire, a pleasing odor to the Lord. Very interesting. Okay? It's a burnt offering, an offering by fire, which again is the korban. So you present something totally caught into the fire, and thus the Lord can smell the odor. And you have this expression already in the story of Noah, when he offers his sacrifice after the flood to God. Okay, there we go. That's the Holocaust. It is the Ola. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.